Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. As has been discussed more than once on this show, Virginia is falling woefully behind its neighboring states in providing incentives to encourage production. There's a new initiative called Lights, Camera, Jobs that's proposing a series of legislation and budget amendments to make us more competitive. There are four bills at this time, one that raises the spending cap, one that creates a grant program to encourage year-round production, one to better train and retain our workforce, and one to encourage local creatives. There's a link to the website for Lights, Camera, Jobs on the page for this show, and I'll be featuring more about it in the future. It was crazy. We had death threats coming on. We had police officers on the show. You had to go through metal detectors to get onto the show. Wow. A lot of people were really upset with her because she came out. That's an excerpt from today's guest talking about working on Ellen DeGeneres' sitcom when she came out on the air. Gene Poe has so many fun stories to tell that he's back this week with additional stories, including more about Ellen, standing in for Anthony Hopkins on Thor, being in bed with Anne Margaret, sneaking in to meet Lucille Ball, being pregnant on Alien Nation, and playing Audie Murphy in Raging Bull. Sifter Review of the Week You people, in theaters and on Netflix. Jonah Hill and Lauren London meet cute and decide to get married, but their parents and their different backgrounds present challenges. She's black and he's Jewish. Yes, there are echoes of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, racism, and Meet the Fockers, a hostile father-in-law. But this has been updated for today's sensibilities. Eddie Murphy, as her dad, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus, as his mom, bring their considerable comic abilities, while Hill suffers every humiliation with humorous reactions. The script, co-written by Hill and director Kenya Barris, who also has a cameo on the plane, lays out many of the arguments about society's expectations and understanding cultures. Some of the time they manage to make it funny, but there are lots of didactic messages that are just that, teaching moments. Overall, there is some genuine humor and even heart, but not enough to make either an exceptional comedy. It is refreshing to see Richard Benjamin and Elliot Gould, although his lines must have been cut. I gave you people three out of five stars. Okay, Gene, we're back. So another highlight of your career as a background actor was the puppy episode, which most people won't know what that means, but that was the famous episode where Ellen came out of the closet Mm -hmm. on TV. Tell me what that was like being on that show. And where were you when when she announced it? I was standing right behind her. In the airport? I was the announcer at the stand, which I left the mic on. And that's how it got broadcasted to everyone. But I worked for Ellen for five years. Five years. When you said you worked for her, you did you worked for the show, not for Ellen herself. Right. I worked on the show. The first uh, season, it was called These Friends of Mine. The next season, it had been changed to Ellen. And a lot of people had been let go. But I ended up staying for the whole five years. I stood in for every male that came along on the show. Oh, wow. But also doing shows like that, and I did a lot of stand-in work. There's always the opportunity for them to give you a part which right. happened on Ellen quite a lot. And I still get residuals from the show. That's great. So you had, she actually, you got some speaking roles too, not just always yes. background. You know, if you're on the show, you know, standing around all the time, you know, the cast, you know, the crew, and they will throw stand-ins parts. Right. The Ellen show was very interesting because she went through a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, during that time, it was, it was crazy. 
We had death threats coming on. We had have police officers on the show. You have to go through metal detectors to get onto the show. Wow. A lot of people were really upset with her because she came out. Right, right. Did you get any chance to ever interact with Ellen much, or were you just strictly <laughs> stay in the background? No, I got to interact with, with Ellen quite a lot. One of the uh, actors, uh, he was doing a movie. So what would happen is the stand-in, I would have to come in for the table read, do his right. part. Then I'd have to get up and I'd do the walkthrough, the blocking with the other actors and Ellen. And I would have to do the dialogue with them. Sure, right. One day I had to stand with my back to her because that's what the actor was going to do. Well, I couldn't see what was going on behind me. So then when we got to do the rehearsal again and she came up to me, I didn't know what to say or do. And she said, told me, she said, aren't you watching? I said, I had my back to you the whole time. <laughs> no, it was very, very interesting. Now, you know, of course, all the stories have come out in the last year or two about her being a bitch on a set or on her set. Did you find that or did you find her a gracious, wonderful person? Or are you, uh, I see you're preparing a political answer here. Uh, let's put it like this. Every Christmas, we would get a Christmas card from Ellen. And it would say, Merry Christmas. A generous donation has been made to my favorite charity in your name. Merry Christmas. And you would like going, what? I'm the, yeah, I'm the charity. <laughs> give me the charity. Give, give me the tax write-off. Give me anything. Uh, so, you know, that's shows you. There you go. That tells you something. You actually more recently, some people will appreciate this because that was a long time ago. You were a stand-in for Anthony Hopkins, speaking of stand-ins, uh, and Thor. What was that about? Oh. Let me, and did you meet him? Oh, oh, wonderful man. Wonderful man. Kenneth Brennan, incredible director. Uh, British actors and directors are so different than Americans. In what way? Um, they're very cool. They treat the background and the extras as important parts of the film. I was working two weeks before Anthony Hopkins appeared. As his stand-in. Uh-huh, setting up scenes. And one day he walks up on the set and he walks up to me and he goes, he says, are you Gene? I go, yes. He says, well, I'm Anthony. He says, but I'd like for you to call me Tony. And I go, I know who you are. Of course, <laughs> I know. So funny and, when they're pretending that like, I don't know who you are. Yeah, right. right. And that was an incredible experience because he was so nice and so generous. After a weekend... He would come and he would sit beside you at lunch table or whatever. And he'd go, what'd you do this weekend? I'd go, you want to know what I did this weekend? He goes, yeah, I'd like to hear what you did. Very personal, very wonderful. When we would shoot scenes, they would shoot like two or three scenes. And each time he would do a scene, he would do it different. Mm -hmm. So that they could then pick, the director could pick what right. scene he wanted. But it was amazing. You talk about an acting class. You could actually watch an actor of his caliber and see how they would change a scene and how they would, you know, do it different. There's this big scene where, of course, he is in a coma as the king. The most incredible set you've ever seen. I'm lying in this gigantic Viking ship covered with furs as his stand-in. Right. Of course, you know, they have me made up to look like him with the beard and everything and the crown and all. But I'm lying there and... Kenneth Brennan is explaining to me in front of the entire crew. He's saying, Gene, this is what the scene is about. And then he said, look, I, I'll just show you. 
So he climbed up and sat down on my chest and leaned forward into my face. And he says, now I'm going to open your eye. And this is what the, the frost monster is going to do. He's going to come in and sit on your chest. And he's going to look in your eye and he says, I know you can hear me. And this is how I'm going to kill you. And then he says to me, I bet you this doesn't happen to you every day, meaning him sitting on my chest. <laughs> I, really? I looked at him and I said, oh, really? The crew and everybody thought that was really funny, you know. But generous people. I also, one day I did a scene and he said to me, he said, that was really good. I told him, I said, why don't you give me screen credit? Because oh. they don't give background people or stand in screen credit in this country. In England, they do. And he says to me, what do you mean? You, you don't get screen credit? I said, no, I don't, sir. Michael and I went to see the movie. And all of a sudden, here comes my name up on the screen. It says, you know, Anthony Hopkins, stand in, Gene Poe. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, That's very I cool. Mean, uh, I mean, what uh, generous, generous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you've met lots of stars and you've worked for lots in backgrounds for lots of stars and stuff. In general, how are extras treated? I know that and it may be different for every it probably is different for every director. But, you know, you you get this this vision that they're just treated like cattle. OK, y'all go stand over there, do your thing. Now get out of the way. Uh, but I'm sure there must be directors who treat you like humans. Well, you have non-union extras and then you have union extras. Uh -huh, right, right. And that's a big difference. In what way? They're treated differently. They make a lot less money. They're not covered by any union, so they can be pushed around and everything like that. The union people now covered by uh, SAG-AFTRA, you know, there are rules and regulations that you have to follow. I, I'm very proud to say that I was the one that got seats through negotiations for the extras. They used to didn't have seats for them to sit on. You mean while, while they're on the shoot? Oh, yeah. You'd come and you'd have all your clothes with you and you'd have to sit on the floor. Wow. Now they have to have seats for them to sit on and places to hang their clothes. Thanks to you, Gene. Yes. Not many people until now know right, that right, was because right. of me. Some directors are wonderful and some are just total asshole, ugly, ugly people. And you learn very quickly which ones to stay away from and which ones to stay close to. If you want to learn all about acting and you want to learn about the business, you stick close to the set. And you stick close to where the action is going on. You stay back, but you watch. You watch, You learn about how to hit your mark or follow right. your light or get your light. Right. All these things that you don't learn in acting school, you learn working and being paid for. My whole thing was I wanted to make money, Jerry. I wanted to make money. I never wanted to be famous or to have any kind of knowledge. Of right, right, I, right. I just wanted to make uh, money. So I never turned down a job. You never know where that job is going to lead you. Give me an example of that, of something that you said, oh, I'll do this one, and then suddenly you got a big role or something. Well, first of all, going back to doing the hand modeling, working, mm -hmm. you know, background on a commercial. John Ehrman, who directed a lot of uh, television movies like The Letter with Anne Margaret, which, by the way, I went to bid with her. Um, I beg your pardon. I be uh, <laughs> let's back up before we go any further. Or we can come back to that, whichever you'd rather do. I met him in London. And he's one of the ones that said, if you ever get to, you know, come to L.A. Right. right. And I'm working uh, as a background on the set. And he saw me once again. Hi, how you doing? I'm fine. What are you up to? I said, well, you know, working background. He said, come and stand in for me. Okay. That led through three different stand-in jobs on three different films. One was with Anne-Margaret. 
footnote. The name of the movie was Who Will Love My Children? And Anne Margaret, for those younger listeners, was a singer and sex symbol in the 60s. I arrived the first day. They said, go on in there. The scene is set up. The actress is in the bed. He said, go on over, get in the bed with her. This is the last scene we're shooting at first because she's dying. You're the husband. You're in bed with her, consoling her. Oh, okay. So I go over and I get in and I snuggle up beside her. And I said, hi, my name is Jean. She says, my name is Anne. I said, what's your last name? She looked at me. She said, my name is Anne Margaret. I went, oh, I said, I, I didn't recognize you. You look horrible. She said, I'm dying. I said, oh, I mean, after that, I mean, we still got along great together. So you worked on a couple of the soap operas. Well, how was that different? Uh, what was that like? Those are in L.A. or in New York? Here in L.A. And they were wonderful. Toward the end of my career, before I retired, I was doing nothing but soap operas. The money is very, very good. You don't do long hours. You're inside. I had gotten to know a lot of the casting directors over the years, and they knew that they could count on me. They knew I knew what to bring. They knew that once I got there, that I would go and get the script. I'd break it down. I'd go down. I'd rehearse, make up wardrobe, shoot the scene. I'm home by nine o'clock. Wow, great. The rules and regulations are so different. But now, you know, SAG and AFTER have merged. Footnote. SAG stands for Screen Actors Guild for movie actors. And AFTRA is the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. They're now merged. What would you say is maybe one of the wildest or most unusual character that you got to be in a movie or a TV show? There was um, a miniseries for a while there of science fiction. Footnote. Gene's referring to Alien Nation, which ran for one season on Fox in 1989. Where everybody had like these big bubbled heads. And one interesting thing was that the men would get pregnant and the men would carry the baby. And I got to be a pregnant alien. (laughs) And I got to walk around, you know, holding my stomach. That was a fun job, you know. That's pretty wild. So you got a little pregnancy pillow and all that stuff. And I had to learn how to walk carrying a baby. Yeah. Uh, what about Dynasty and Falcon Crest? You were around in those days. What was that? I must was. have been kind of a crazy, because that's all kind of luxurious and fancy, right? Very, very. I worked on the love boat while those were going on. And um, the stage right beside us, Lucille Bald, was doing one of her last shows. And one of my buddies and I said, come on, let's go and sneak over and see Lucy. So we went over, we walked around behind the scrim, which is a big curtain. Right. And we're trying to get a look. All of a sudden, here she comes walking behind the curtain. And she looks at us. She goes, hi, boys. And she walks on off. We were like, oh, my God, Lucy. <laughs> Lucy spoke to us, you know. Uh, Rock Hudson was working on the next set over on Macmillan and Wife. Mm-hmm. So... That, that was, you know. Did you get to meet him? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, now, wait a minute. What is that? Is that all? You just met him? Did y'all date? Was he? Uh, I wouldn't call it dating. Okay. A very nice man. Very nice man. So. You were in Raging Bull. What did you do in Raging Bull? Played Artie Murphy in Raging Bull. Footnote. Audie Murphy was the most decorated combat soldier in World War II. He also became an actor in more than 40 films. I had no idea who he was. I walked on the set. 
And somebody said, you look like Artie Murphy. And the next thing I know, uh, they put, sent me to see a casting director that was on the set. And they said, yes, you'll do. I ended up, you know, having my own dressing room. I have a scene in, uh, in it when the, at the boxing match where they introduced me as Artie Murphy. I stand up and I wave at everybody and they all applaud and cheer. They got upset with me at one point, though, because, like I said, I had my own dressing room. Right. And I invited some of the extras to come in and join me in this room. I wasn't going to sit there by myself. And they told me, they said, you can allow them to come and stay in your room. And I went, why not? Huh. But Did you ever by any chance get recognized? I know you, you didn't have the lead role. So, it, I, and I remember sometimes I would occasionally, I'd be watching TV. Oh, there's Gene. But yep. did you ever just on the street have a random person say, I think I saw you in something? <laughs> a cashier once stopped me and she said, are you on Days of Our Lives? And I'm, I'm thinking, am I? I don't know. And she said, yeah, you're that doctor, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I think I am. You know? <laughs> so you don't know if that was you or not? No, no, I don't. I know once, um, once I played an anesthesiologist, which was great because you never saw my face and I got to recur, recur, recur. Aha, you know? yeah, yeah. That's a good idea too. Cool. We were um, visiting Monticello. This is years ago. We were visiting, we were eating, and the waitress said to me, she said, you look familiar. Do we know you? I said, I, I, I don't think so. What was it? She found out that I was on Days of Our Lives. And all of a sudden, she told all the kitchen staff and everybody, and they all came out wanting my autographs. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like really embarrassed. But I signed it, gave it to them and everything. That was cool. You're in your studio, and I know you mentioned earlier that you painted. What's that all about? Because on your website, obviously, it's all about painting. So have you just converted to a painter out of your acting career? Yes, I have. And how did that start? You went to VCU in theater, so where did you get your training? Well, you know, when I was uh, first moved out to L.A., I started toying around with painting. And actually, someone saw pictures, and I was asked to be in a gallery. I did very well. Wow. Until the uh, gallery owner told me one day, she said, I want you to do large paintings and I want you to do pastels. I said, I don't like pastels and I can't do big paintings. I'm painting in my kitchen. Right. Got very upset with me. She said, you know, you don't have any talent. Here we go again. Remember? <laughs> wow. You know, that's one thing. If anybody that wants to be an actor that goes to Hollywood or New York or whatever, you're going to find a lot of people that are going to be more than happy to tell you that you can't do something, that you're not right for this. Don't believe them. Don't believe them. All my life, I was told that I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. And I did it. You did. And, you know, that's never going to be. Oh, Brad Pitt. He was an extra. And I worked with him. John Wayne, uh, Charlton Heston, Marilyn Monroe. All of them worked background as extras. Anybody tells you that you can't do it. No. They're full of shit. Well, I'll tell you, you have obviously ignored and proven all those people who said you were no good wrong, had an amazing career and done a lot of fun, cool stuff. And you're enjoying a wonderful retirement now with your husband, aren't you? I am. But before we go, can I say one thing? Absolutely. I told you about the unions and the politics of the unions. Right. When I was on the board of the trustees of the health and pension plan, I was always told and informed that when you retire, your health coverage will be covered until you die. And with that idea, I retired. About three or four years ago, I received a letter from SAG saying, 
we're taking away your health coverage. Wow. You're talking about screwing your membership. Really? Now, a lot of retirees were wealthy. A lot of retirees are not wealthy, and they count on that health coverage. And to this day, they still have not given the retirees their health coverage. Wow. They claim that it was because of the money. I was on the board of trustees. I know about the money and where it went and how much it is. So that's like I was telling you about the politics. You still get residual checks? Yes, I do. Well, are they a joke now? Are they like 15 cents and $2 and stuff? Or that's you get right. Some big ones? I got a residual check a couple of days ago from working on paper chase. Footnote. The Paper Chase was a 1978 TV series based on the 1973 hit movie. Okay. Which was back now 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I was a regular on that because I had a big chest. Huh. I would sit there and they would put the teleprompter in my chest. I would sit at the front of the room so huh. the actor could read their that. script. And how, how much yeah. was that check? <laughs> about maybe 30, 40 cents. Yeah, yeah. It costs them more money to send those checks out, but that's what oh, they yeah. got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last question I always like to ask everybody is what are you watching right now on TV, movies, whatever? Oh, well, Michael and I, we love British television. Uh -huh. We love British shows, the acting. I mean, you know, uh, the characters. And, oh, I, and I love reading your reviews. I love well, thank you. Bless reviews. you. Thank you. Have you reviewed a movie called Amsterdam? Yes, I did. I didn't love it much. Oh, thank you. Thank oh, you. Good. You didn't like it either. Good. Yeah. Oh, no. my God. I tell you, no. we saw it a couple of days ago. I was pulling my teeth out. I was going, this is the slowest thing I've ever seen. You should have read the review first. It saved <laughs> you some money. <laughs> but it was horrible. Oh, and we, we were watching a Sicilian detective show, Montabano. Okay, I haven't heard of that one. Okay. Oh, incredible, incredible, wonderful. Oh, cool. And I probably will make this two shows just because there's so many great stories and I hate to tr have to cut them down to 25 minutes. So yeah. you'll probably be a two-parter. <laughs> I have before. <laughs> <laughs> As predicted, this is part two of my interview with Gene Poe, who made his living as an extra background actor and model in Hollywood. There's a link to some of the stuff we discussed on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon in theaters. Knock at the Cabin, the latest from M. Night Shyamalan, has a couple and their kids presented with the option of killing one of them to save the world. 80 for Brady, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Sally Field, and Rita Marino play a quartet of women who decide to go to the Super Bowl and meet Tom Brady. BTS, yet to come in cinemas, showcases the K-pop stars in concert at the World Expo in front of a crowd of 50,000. Sword Art Online, the movie Progressive Scherzo of Deep Nights, is the follow-up on this anime series. Baby Ruby, Nomi Merlant, plays an influencer whose life is upended when she has a baby. Kit Harrington plays her husband. The Last Deal, a pot dealer tries one big final score before being squeezed out by the legal cannabis business. The Chosen Season 3 Finale, they launched this season based on the life of Christ and now they're doing the same for the last episode. TV and streaming. Dear Edward on Apple, inspired by the novel about a 12-year-old boy who is the only survivor of a plane crash from the creator of Saturday Night Lights, which also starred Connie Britton. The Ark on Peacock, a sci-fi adventure with the crew of a spacecraft who faces catastrophe. Free Ridge on Netflix, a coming-of-age comedy spinoff of On My Block. 
The Proud Family on Disney, season two of this animated series. Gwen Shamblin, Starving for Salvation. Jennifer Grey plays the creator of the Christian diet program, Way Down Workshop. Harlem on Amazon Prime. This is season two of what I call Sex in the City for Black Women. And you can check out my podcast with one of the stars of the show and Richmond native Shaniqua Shunday on my website. Did you know you can subscribe to this podcast on all the major services? Just go to tvjerry.com, click on the podcast tab, and there's a link. Next week, we're going to go back to the 70s to talk with Terry Ray about starting and running the Biograph Theater. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more sister, including literally thousands, thousands of, of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com.